Monday, May 9th, 2022. It's a beautiful day here in the Northeast. We had a clear blue sky. I dig clear blue skies. I do. And we will have a few nice days. It will feel like spring for a change. I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody who celebrated Mother's Day had an enjoyable Sunday. I neglected to mention that yesterday, and I hope that everybody had a pleasant time. So today, I will be reading The Psychology of Manipulation. Six Lessons from the Master of Propaganda. And this was authored by Ryan Matters via offguardian.org. Now, I don't read Off Guardian, but uh, a lot of what I do read basically posted on Zero Hedge, so I get exposure to a lot of websites that I don't normally visit, and I thought this would be an interesting one to read together. Edward L. Bernays was an American business consultant who was widely recognized as the father of public relations. Bernays was one of the men responsible for selling World War I to the American public by branding it as a war that was necessary, quote, to make the world safe for democracy. What does democracy even mean at this point? You know what? I'm in the mood to look it up. They're always changing definitions on us, right? So let's see what the definition of democracy is 2020. Looks like Britannica updated it March 31st. Democracy, literally, rule by the people. Do we live in a democracy here in America? The term is derived from the Greek demokratia, kratia, which was coined from demos, people, and kratos, rule, in the middle of the 5th century BCE to denote the political systems then existing in some Greek city-states, notably Athens. And there's another definition above it from Wikipedia. Same thing. A form of government in which the people have the authority to deliberate and decide legislation or to choose governing officials to do so. Yeah, I guess in theory, democracy sounds really good. And you know, for how many decades have they blown smoke up our asses here in America and I'm sure plenty of other countries that we are a democrat, democratic nation, but that's not quite the case, right? Not anymore. Maybe we were at one point, but definitely not now. 
So continuing back to the article, during the 1920s, Bernays consulted for a number of major corporations helping to boost their business through expertly crafted marketing campaigns aimed at influencing public opinion. In 1928, Edward Bernays published his famous book, Propaganda, in which he outlined the theories behind his successful public relations endeavors. The book provides insights into the phenomenon of crowd psychology and outlines effective methods for manipulating people's habits and opinions, which is why I wanted to share this with you. I thought this would be a great article to share. For a book that's almost 100 years old, propaganda could not be more relevant today. In fact, its relevance is a testament to the unchanging nature of human psychology. One of the key takeaways of the book is that mind control is an important aspect of any democratic society. Indeed, Bernays maintains that without the conscious, quote, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses, end quote, democracy simply would not work. And I know you probably hear the birds in the background. They, they party around this time of year. Pretty soon they'll be up all night, two o'clock in the morning, just chirping their little hearts out. It's very strange to me, but this is what they do. Continuing on, we are governed. Our minds molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. According to Bernays, those doing the governing, quote-unquote governing, constitute an invisible ruling class that, quote, understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. In propaganda, Bernays draws on the work of Gustave Le Bon, Wilford Trotter, Walter Lippmann, and Sigmund Freud, his uncle, outlining the power of mass psychology and how it may be used to manipulate the, quote, group mind. If we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, it is not possible, it is not possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their knowing about it. Let me just read that again. I felt like I read that wrong. If we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, is it not possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their knowing about about it? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's fairly evident that a lot of people, the masses in general, um, save for a small percentage, I don't know what percentage that is remaining, that aren't under this control. I might be too generous to say 20%. I think it really depends on the country, um, the region, and, uh, you know, in, in terms of how, how plugged in people are, perhaps even demographics. Um, you know, there are certain demographics that seem a little bit more plugged in than others, a lot more plugged in. I think that's an understatement to say a little. So, I don't know. What percentage of people in our population here in the United States are not, quote-unquote, plugged into the group hive mind. I'm curious to know. I'm really curious to know. So continuing on, 
I recently explored this topic in an essay about how, quote, occult rituals and predictive programming are used to manipulate the collective consciousness, influencing the thoughts, beliefs, and actions of large groups of people, resulting in the creation of what occultists call egregores? I'm not sure what that is. It's actually a, a, a link to another article. I'm not going to read that now. But I'm just going to look at it really quick. Occult rituals and predictive programming. Breaking free from the E. Gregor. This was written April 14, 2022. Maybe I'll come back to it. Um, it's an essay. This essay is an attempt to answer the following question. How do we take control of our lives when we are being influenced by things we don't understand? I think I might go into this another time. How do we? I guess just questioning everything, right? And the categories, the tags for this is esoteric and transhumanism. I mean, questioning everything and really just, you know, taking many things into consideration, keeping your eyes open and your mind open to different possibilities and not thinking that perhaps we have all the answers. That's part of it. But I will go back to this article. Um, I think I'll follow up with this occult rituals and predictive programming another time, maybe a separate recording altogether. But it seems like a pretty interesting article. So here, continuing back to the article, he says he has extracted some key insights from Bernays in an attempt to show how his book Propaganda is, in many ways, the playbook used by the globalist cryptocracy to process the group mind of the masses. Number one, if you manipulate the leader of a group, the people will follow. And I'm, again, I'm reading this with you guys for the first time. I probably got a couple paragraphs in before I decided I was going to hit record. And uh, so number one, if you man manipulate the leader of the group, the people will follow. So I skimmed down to about here because I felt, as soon as I read this, I kind of felt strongly if you manipulate the leader of the group, the people will follow. I think the solution to this is to be your own leader. Really. Um, don't be a fucking follower. That's part of it, I guess. Uh, be your own leader. And it's hard. I think a lot of people are afraid to be their own leader. A lot of people are afraid to be, you know, on the outside looking in or, you know when up against majority rules people tend to fold and the past couple of years definitely definitely showed really a lot in terms of character and i mean if you didn't partake of the study intervention it took a lot you know, it took a lot because there was a lot of manipulation. There was a lot of pressure. And for those who did not partake of it, we passed. We passed that test. But, um, you know, they're not going to let up. So continuing on, if you, if you manipulate the leader of a group, the people will follow. Bernays tells us that one of the easiest ways to influence the thoughts and actions of large numbers of people it's the first influence their leader. And again, my answer to that is be your own leader. Don't fucking follow anybody. If you can influence the leaders, either with or without their conscious cooperation, you automatically influence the group which they sway. And I guess in, in a sense, you know, a lot of people, a good example of that would be following politicians and getting caught up 
in the uh, you know left right paradigm and uh, our party versus their party and blah 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 and, and they're not thinking for themselves they're just following you know they're following their team they're following their group okay so continuing on in fact one of the most firmly established principles of mass psychology is that quote the group mind does not think rather it acts according to impulses habits and emotions when deciding on certain course when deciding on a certain course of action its first impulse is to follow the example of a trusted leader that's like my school of fish analogy you know just the mindset of people they're just like this and that's all that's all it takes and they're off to another direction as a group as a whole as a collective and uh, whoever, I guess, is swimming at the front is the one leading that momentum. And I guess that would be the equivalent of the human leader. Continuing on, humans are by nature a group species. Well, not all of us. Even when we are alone, we have a deep sense of group belonging. Whether they consistently know it or not, much of what people do is an effort to conform to the ideals of their chosen group so as to feel a sense of acceptance and belonging. Mm, eh, I can't say. Personally, I had a group. I think probably because of my upbringing and just having uh, the experiences that I had. I guess uh, I just didn't give a fuck about a quote-unquote chosen group and a feeling and a sense of belonging. In fact, that sense of acceptance and belonging... Um, you know, in my younger years, was always missing. I never felt like I belonged. I didn't give a fuck whether or not I was accepted, but I never felt like I belonged. And um, I guess at the time it was disturbing. And then now, you know, years and years later, I just, I'm like, I, I'm glad that I don't feel like I belong because there's a lot wrong with, uh, you know, the group mentality and the masses. So I'm cool. I'm completely cool with not belonging because I don't want to belong. But I guess when you're younger and you're trying to find your way, that sense of lack of acceptance and belonging can be troublesome until you realize it might actually be a gift. So continuing on to the article, this exact method of influencing the leader and watching the people follow has been used extensively throughout the last few years. Yes, it has. One notable instance that comes to mind is the horrendously inaccurate ep epidemiological... Oh, damn, I just stripped on that word. Epidemiological models. Epidemiology. Epidemiological models created by Niall Ferguson. This is the guy who was in the UK running around uh, with his mistress while telling everybody like millions and millions were going to die. So Niall Neil Ferguson, which formed the basis for the Prime Minister Minister Boris Johnson's lockdown policies. Yeah, I think he was uh, one of those people who was really just predicting the absolute worst, but while everybody was locked down, he was running around with his honey. Once Johnson was convinced of the need to lock down and mask up, Boris Johnson they're referring to, the people gladly followed. Well, at least here in the States. I mean, I don't know what happened in, in the United Kingdom. But here in the United States, people didn't mind locking down because they were getting extra unemployment. You know, they got to stay home. Uh, what is it? 
slow, slow the spread or flatten the curve or whatever the hell it was with an extra $600 a week or whatever state you were in. I don't know. It could have been 300 could have been 400 But here in New York, they were giving people an extra $600 a week on top of their regular unemployment benefits to basically stay home. So, I mean, there are people who were loving it. They didn't care. They got money to stay home. They got money. And they were cool with it. They were totally, totally cool with it. Um, unfortunately, I was one of the... Um, the fools that was out there actually working. I should have just stayed my ass home and made a killing too, but no, no, no. You know, some of us actually did go to work during that period of time. Um, and the people who, again, who got to stay home and earn that extra money just for staying home, they're content with the lockdown. I mean, even when things reopened, just hearing, overhearing people talk and just some coworkers, because, you know, some places were temporarily shut down. And these people, they, they wanted another lockdown. And I remember one person in particular is like, you know, I hope, I hope we have another lockdown. And I'm like, why the hell would you say that? Oh, because I need a break. Oh, 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 excuse me. You need a break. Sorry. Yes, let's, let's lock down again. Let's lock down the whole fucking state because you need a break. And this is how people think. This is how people think. They don't give two shits about how devastated small businesses were. They didn't give two shits. Um, wow, how many small businesses did we lose? 30%? We lost a lot. We lost a lot, at least here in New York. I mean, boarded up. There, there are a lot of empty storefronts. A lot of places shut down. But hey, you know, these people, they needed a break. So they were completely cool with that. So continuing on to number two, words are powerful. The key to influencing a group is the clever use of language. Absolutely. Politicians have this down. They have this down. Politicians, professional liars, lawyers, they have this down. The key to influencing a group is the clever use of language. And the only defense against that is really listening and understanding what these people are saying. Being a critical listener. This is not the article. This is me speaking right now. You have to listen critically. You have to listen not only to what these people say, but also watch what they do. And if you don't watch what they do, then you're never going to notice that the two hardly ever match up, if ever. That they often contradict themselves, and they often make promises they never keep. Um, so words are powerful. Certain words and phrases are associated with certain emotions, symbols, and reactions. Bernays tells that, tells us that through the clever and careful use of language, one can manipulate the emotions of a group and therefore thereby influence their perceptions and actions. And I mean, this seems pretty straightforward and obvious, right? Right? Through the clever and careful use of language, one can manipulate the emotions of a group and thereby influence their perception and actions. And this is what they did to us here in New York. They constantly, constantly drilled the same things into us day in and day out. You listen, that, that's why I shut, I mean, I, I said no more cable, no more news, no more nothing in March of 2020. Like I just started recently, I would say maybe the past four or five months or so, just recording video recordings, like hopping online and checking out the local news just through the internet, you know, I don't, I'm not putting that shit on the TV. I don't want to hear it because in March of 2020, it was just constant, constant, constant. The new normal, new normal coronavirus and blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, the unvaccinated and more people hospitalized and it's just constant constant barrage and then maybe driving in my car listening to the radio but now it's a lot has changed but they use that that was a tool that they used to keep people in fear keep people divided um yeah and and this is not just adults we have children too who are growing up in their formative years hearing and constantly being bombarded with these words and their quote-unquote clever use of language. And it was just constant manipulation from the mainstream media. And they, again, that's why they were the number one enemy, I feel, especially during this whole past two years. The mainstream media are, are guilty as hell. So by playing upon an old cliche or manipulating a new one, the propagandists can sometimes swing a whole mass group of emotions. The clever use of language has been employed. Oh, like I'm saying, I'm just reading this for the first time with you guys now. The clever use of language had been employed, has been employed throughout the COVID-19 pandemic to great effect. Absolutely. An obvious example of this was when the definition of vaccine was changed to include injections utilizing experimental mRNA technology. Well, it was not, it's not sterilizing. And, uh, you know, the original definition was something that actually gave you immunity. Now, well, it just helps with your symptoms. It, you know, keeps you out of the hospital, keeps you from dying, so they say. Um, but it's definitely not the, not the study intervention that they are pushing right now is definitely not in the traditional sense any way, shape, or form of what the original definition of a vaccine used to be. So the writer goes on to say, you see the word, quote, vaccine is associated in the public mind with a certain picture, that of a safe, proven medical intervention that is not only life-saving, but absolutely necessary. If governments had told people to go get their, quote, gene therapies, the vast majority of the public would likely question the motives behind such a campaign they would feel extremely skeptical because the phrase gene therapy is not associated with the same image, emotions, and feelings as a vaccine. And interestingly enough, there was a video. I had it saved on my, my previous uh, Telegram account that got uh, deleted. Uh, there was a gentleman, I believe he was from Moderna. I'm, I'm trying to put in words really quickly what he was saying, but he, he, he essentially said, if we would have told people two years ago uh, about uh, gene therapy, they wouldn't have been open to the idea, right? Prior to all this stuff going on. But basically he said that this was an opportunity, this whole COVID-19 was an opportunity to get gene therapy in the arms of people. Because prior to this happening, prior to this whole nonsense going on, people wouldn't be willing, but you know, they took advantage of the situation and people went and they lined up. They lined up. And it, basically, this guy admitted that, yeah, it is gene therapy. It is gene therapy. Um, so the same goes for the word pandemic, the definition of which was also changed. The word pandemic is generally associated in the collective consciousness with fear, death, chaos, and emergency. Largely thanks to Hollywood and the myriad virus films it has released over the years. Number three, any medium of communication is also a medium for propaganda. Yeah, absolutely. Any system of communication with a phone, radio, print, or social media is nothing more than a means of transmitting information. Bernays reminds us that any such means of communication is also a channel for propaganda. I mean, this all seems pretty straightforward. 
There is no means of human communication that may not also be a means of deliberate propaganda. Bernays goes on to stress that a good propagandist must always keep abreast of new forms of communication so that they may co-opt them as a means of deliberate propaganda. That's why we got like all these crazy, I mean, this is a hundred years ago. He had no idea, right? That the social media, but I mean, it, it, it fits, it fits. TikTok and Twitter and all of these social media. And, and again, that's why they were, they were kicking people off and deleting people's profiles because they were, you know, they were exposing this uh, propaganda for what it was. And they, they didn't want that to go on. They didn't want that to go on. So, uh, yeah, if, if Bernays, Bernays is probably, uh, <laughs> who knows where he is right now, probably burning in hell, but fast forward 100 years, this is his wet dream. Indeed, systems that most people would associate with freedom of speech and democracy are none other than means of circulating propaganda. Facebook fact checkers, big tech censorship, and YouTube's COVID banners certainly fall into this category. Other examples of this include recent algorithm updates made by various search engines, including Google and DuckDuckGo, to penalize Russian websites. Just so fucking ridiculous. Although this should come as no surprise, Google has been engaging in this type of, quote, shadow propaganda for many years. Number four, reiterating the same idea over and over creates habits and convictions. Yeah, I mean, they hammered us here. They fucking hammered us here. And, um... Very few people really understood, very few people um, really understood what was going on because, you know, they turn on the TV, they turn on the radio, and they just kind of mindlessly let this stuff flow through them, and they didn't realize that they were just being hammered and hammered and hammered and under the guise of, of, oh, you know, watching the news and doing regular everyday things, right? What do people do? They turn on the news or they listen you know, they go online, they get their social media, and from every angle, we were hammered with the same idea over and over, right? So number four is reiterating the same idea over and over creates habits and convictions. Although Bernays terms this a technique, although Bernays terms this a technique used by, quote, old propagandists, he nonetheless recognizes its usefulness. It was one of the doctrines of the reaction psychology that a certain stimulus often repeated would create a habit or that mere reiteration of an idea would create a conviction. Repeating the same idea or the same mantra again and again is a form of neuro-linguistic programming aimed at instilling certain concepts or emotions into the subconscious mind. Indeed, People who are feeling sad or depressed are often advised to repeat to themselves an uplifting saying or affirmation. And this is exactly why, again, this is exactly why I personally had to turn it off. And it wasn't because I was going to be convinced of whatever they were trying to hypnotize me with. It's because I was getting pissed. Because I was getting so angry of being lied to through the airwaves. Like, I really was getting pissed. And, um, yeah, they weren't going to convince me of none of that bullshit. And I just find myself, like, yelling at the TV and yelling at the radio. And I'm like, I can't. I'm not going to deal with this level of aggravation. I'm not going to even tune into these people. But funny enough, despite the fact that I was not listening, 
in my place of employment, there were a lot of people that would come and go. Um, people would come and go. Patients would come and go. And every single one of them that came in parroted the mainstream narrative. So I didn't really have to listen to the news or watch the news. All I had to do was listen to these patients because they were reiterating everything word for word. And it was just so eerie how as each person would come in and out, they were all saying the same thing. Um, so they were all listening. They were reiterating the same idea over and over because this is what was implanted into their minds. And it was sad. It was sad. It was frustrating. It was just like, I, I can't do this. I can't be surrounded by this madness. This just, there's something really wrong here. And uh, there weren't many people. There were not many people who either saw through the bullshit. And if they did, they were probably afraid to say it or speak it. And um, anytime that I, I mean, I wouldn't say anything. I would, you know, I wouldn't say anything to patients, but perhaps a coworker or two who I, I thought might have gotten it you know, talk to them a little bit. They knew what was up. Um, but maybe just one. One at most. And of all of these people that I interacted with, it's, it's very sad. Um, maybe now it's a little bit different, you know, over a year later. But uh, at that time, we're talking the end of 2020, early 2021. I mean, these people were completely fucking sold. They were drinking the Kool-Aid. They were drunk. They really were. Um, maybe I would say a certain percentage of people have decided that, Hey, you know what? Something, something's not right here. And they're tired of it. And the media did their job to switch over to something else. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really crazy. Like I said, I don't know how it was in other States, but I just know here it was insane. So repeating the same idea or same mantra over and over again is a form of neuro linguistic programming. Yeah. These people were definitely programmed. So there are many examples of the simple yet effective technique being used to great effect over the last few years. Think cues, trust the plan, the globalist favorite, build back better, or the incessant repetition of that twisted phrase, trust the science. And then, you know, there's also the new normal. Don't forget the new normal. Included in this category, included in this category, are the 24-7 in-your-face death statistics that statistics and case numbers aimed at promoting the illusion of the pandemic. And I've mentioned this before, you know, we have been, you know, nipple rings, Cuomo, our governor at the time, every fucking day was at 12 o'clock, one o'clock. I don't remember what time it was in the afternoon, but every day he got up and had a press conference. And listen, I, again, I shut off the TV, but I had coworkers streaming it on their phones. I'm like, who the fuck is, is that Cuomo? Um, this is how many cases we have. This is how many people die every fucking day. And people were, you know, they were, they were glued to the television. They needed to see these case numbers. You know, they were like, it was just so suspenseful, crazy stuff. And, um, yeah, that's what they did. They perpetuated the illusion of a pandemic. So there are more obvious examples of this as well, such as news anchors in different areas, all reading from the exact same script. Yeah, they definitely do these moments. Okay, number five, things are not desired for their intrinsic worth, but rather for the symbols that they represent. After studying why people make certain purchasing decisions, Bernays observed that people don't 
often don't desire something for its usefulness or value, but rather because it represents something else which they unconsciously crave. A thing may be desired not for its intrinsic worth or usefulness, but because he has unconsciously come to see it, see in it a symbol of something else, the desire for which he is ashamed to admit to himself. I'm assuming they mean like, you know, I don't know. I, when, I, when I read this, I'm thinking of things that just, that don't really have usefulness. Um, you know, really expensive jewelry or clothing or really expensive vehicles. I mean, you can make a purchasing decision and be frugal about your purchase and it still has the same value in a sense, or uh, utility, okay, as something that may be completely overpriced, but, you know, it's the status that people want, right? You can buy a economy vehicle or you could buy a fucking Tesla. <laughs> and what's what's the difference, right? Oh, it's an electric car. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but people, you know, people want that status. People want that status symbol. People, you know, are willing to pay. What is it? Chanel. Chanel. I had, I had a place where I worked and they were talking about Chanel scarves. And I'm not into that shit. I'm not into that. I don't spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a scarf. But I was, my jaw dropped. I was like, what's up with these scarves? And they're like, oh, well, it's a Chanel scarf. I'm like, well, what does that mean? They're worth hundreds of dollars, they're telling me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like $800, $900 for a fucking scarf. And same thing with, with shoes. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And are we buying these scarves and these shoes that cost so much money for the utility? Right? Or, or it's usefulness? No, it's the, it's the status. It's the status. And to me, like, listen, people want to burn their money, more power to them. But it just, you know, obviously there's something missing if you think that that is, that's value, right? That there's value. And I've, I've been the same way with phones. You know, some people think that a thousand dollar cell phone is like worth it. Is it? I don't know. Not to me. But, um, you know, whatever. What's it worth, right? So Bernays gives the example of a man buying a car. <laughs> Exactly. From the outside, it may appear as if the man is buying the car because he needs a means of transport, but in actuality, he is buying it because he craves the elevated social status that comes with owning a motor vehicle. Well, you know, some places you need to own a motor vehicle, but uh, again, you know, the social status depending on what kind of vehicle you purchase. So this idea too applies to the events over the last few years. For example, masks are a symbol of compliance. Everyone knows they don't work. That's not true. A lot of people still believe that they do work. So that's unfortunate, but people do believe, a lot of people still do believe they do work. Everyone knows they don't work, but they wear them because of their desire to fit in. I don't, I think people really do believe that they work. Or it's, again, it's a, it's a safety blanket, right? You know, it's a, it's, their, it's their little baba. It's their binky. It gives them a sense of comfort. Um, maybe it's more psychological than anything else. So he's saying that the people who don't think that mass works are, do are wearing them because they are desired to fit in. Or maybe they just don't want anybody to give them shit. You know, when they put our, uh, they threw our mask mandate back on, was it December? I was like, fuck this shit. And you know, a lot of people put them on. A lot of people put the mask back on. I don't fucking put them on. I was like, fuck you people. And I had people yelling at me like, you got to put a mask on. I don't got to do jack shit. I don't got to do a fucking thing. And um, now... Again, 
a lot of people would rather avoid those confrontations. And that's why they put the mask on. And they put the mask on because they believe in the mask. They put the mask on because they want to avoid getting called out or having people call them selfish. I mean, I was called selfish. I was called those. I don't give a fuck. You're not going to tell me to put that shit on my face. You're just not. And um, I didn't even get a chance to read you guys the article. And I'm sure by now most people have read it. I come back to it. I, I, you know, like I said, I had a lot of things saved in my other account before they nuked it. And uh, there was the revelation about the microplastics being found in the lungs of humans for the first time. And it's, it's made its rounds. It's probably been out for at least a month. So I'm sure most of you guys have probably heard it, uh, heard of it by now. But where, where did all these microplastics in, our, in human lungs come from? Could it have to do with the fact that people were being forced to wear masks for the past two years? And so not only were these people forced, right? Were we, quote unquote, forced and mandated to participate in this bullshit charade? Now, as a result, people got fucking microplastics in their lungs. I mean, that's just unfucking real It really is. All right, I'm almost done here. So he said that the masks were a symbol of compliance and everybody um, compliance. Everybody knows that they don't work, but they wear them because of their desire to fit in. I think that people also wear them because they want to avoid confrontation and uh, they want to avoid being considered selfish. So I guess that falls on the under the umbrella of desiring to fit in. Um, COVID-19 injections are also a symbol and many people choose to get them because they have a desire to avoid being called an anti-vaxxer or conspiracy theorist. Um, yeah, people also have chosen to get them because they were afraid of losing their livelihoods and their jobs, which is unfortunate too. Um, and there were a lot of people in the beginning that were completely bragging. You know, they were, I mean, I saw some people on my, my feed that they thought their shit didn't stink. They got their Vax Pass and they thought that they were something special. And people like me and anybody else who were like not really willing to go down that path. We were selfish and we're the reason why the pandemic's never going to end. I don't hear a fucking peep out of those people now. They're real quiet. They're real quiet. Maybe because they, they figured out by the third dose. Maybe because they figured out by the booster that, yeah, they got hoodwinked, right? They got fooled. They got suckered. And uh, I remember one person in particular I interacted with, I was like, have fun being a guinea pig. <laughs> really? Sorry, but, you know, if you're going to sit there and, and act like your shit doesn't stink and then look down your nose at other people, and I think I've said this before, it's like, you're nobody. You really, you're nobody. And, um, yeah. That's basically what it came down to. It was the whole us versus them. So number six, one can manipulate individual actions by creating circumstances that modify group customs. Lastly, Bernays tells us, tells us that if one wishes to manipulate the actions of an individual, the most effective way to do so is to create circumstances that engender the desired behavior. What are the true reasons why the purchaser is planning to spend his money on a new car instead of on a new piano? He buys the car because at, it is at the moment the group custom to buy cars. The modern propagandist therefore sets to work to create circumstances which will modify that custom. For example, why all of a sudden does everyone, quote, stand with Ukraine? Now, you know that I don't fucking stand with Ukraine. <laughs> 
I've said that enough times on enough episodes. Like, I don't give two fucks, right? I, I don't. That's not my fucking business. Whatever the hell's going on there. What, what I do give a fuck about is the fact that this government here in the United States has the fucking audacity to send these people billions and billions of dollars. Fucking whatever. And this guy, Zelensky, whatever his name is. How many mansions does he have? This guy's worth a lot of money. Why are we sending billions of dollars over there? We've got cities crumbling. We've got homeless people. We've got just all sorts of things happening in this country that are horrendous. And you're going to have the fucking audacity to send billions of dollars over to Ukraine. And oh, the endless enemy, Russia, 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 the enemy. Who gives a fuck? Unless they're nuking us or landing on our shores. Like, who gives a fuck about Ukraine? Like, personally, I don't. But that was like the new thing. Everybody put the little flags up on their profile. Get the fuck out of here. Stand with Ukraine. Is Ukraine standing with me? Is Ukraine standing with me? I didn't think so. Get the fuck out of here. So, for example, why all of a sudden does everyone, quote, stand with Ukraine? You know that's not me. According to Bernays, it is not because there is a war going on and innocent people need our love and support. I need love and support. Who's love and supporting us here in the United States? Not our government. But rather because it is the new, quote, group custom to do so. Exactly. Exactly. Follow the group. It's the, it's the new thing, right? It's the new thing. Everybody, like I said, my previous episode, everybody needs a cause. And it's fucking pathetic. Really. It's really pathetic. Um, the process of altering group customs begins from the top down. Absolutely. In every nation or social clique, there are leaders public figures and influencers, fuck all these people. Manipulating those with the most sway eventually filters down to the public mind, into the public mind. That is why when a celebrity decides to wear something extravagant on the red carpet, a whole new trend can arise overnight. Like, again, I don't understand the mentality of people who give a fuck about this. I had a friend who was like that. She was very, and I didn't get it because she seemed like a, she was a very street smart girl, but she just loved all this bullshit. Like, ah. You know, whatever. I'm watching these awards and that awards. Like, why are you such a celebrity worshiper? Who are these people to you? But again, this is, I guess, American. Uh, this is the average American. You know, everybody loves their celebrities. Why? Who are these people? And then as it turns out, like, you know, the more and more we learn about what goes on in Hollywood, these aren't good people. These aren't people that anybody should be looking up to and idolizing. They're fucking wicked people. But again, whatever. This is not my business. I don't give a fuck. This is, this is you know, the average mindset. The average, maybe the average American. I don't know. It's just pathetic. Really. Who, who, and who are these celebrities? Back in the day, celebrities used to be like, what, actors and actresses. Now you got fucking former porn stars and this one got pick, uh, pissed on in a fucking, you know, bootleg video and... This is what brings people to stardom these days, right? You know, hood rats and fucking skanks. And uh, who else? Who else is out there? Oh, I'm getting audio bombed. All right. So just finishing up here. So the leaders, public figures and influencers manipulating those with the most sway eventually filters down into the public mind. That is why when a celebrity decides to wear something extravagant on the red carpet, a whole new trend can arise overnight. Similarly... At the beginning of the COVID saga and the then Russian-Ukraine war, the media was quick to circulate stories of celebs, quote, catching COVID and urging people to stay home. Yeah. Or public figures condemning Russian actions and calling for stricter sanctions 
which just so happened to hurt the West way more than it hurt Russia. And the last two paragraphs here, the propaganda playbook. The world is a volatile place right now. Things seem to change quickly and no one knows what might happen next. However, amid all this chaos, there is one thing that has not changed and is unlikely to change anytime soon, and that is human psychology. Because of this, tactics used to manipulate people's thoughts, beliefs, and actions have not changed either. In fact, most of them were outlined in detail 100 years ago by Edward Bernays in his 1928 book, Propaganda. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's right. The Puppet Master's Playbook isn't a secret. It's right there, freely available to anyone who cares to understand how the powers that be seek to influence them on a daily basis. And if people don't realize it by now, it's, it, they're just lost. Really. Um, yeah. I mean, it sucks when you see the truth for what it is because <laughs> it's really hard to relate to people who don't see the truth. But um, personally, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it in for the world. I would never want to have to be and live under the influence that the mainstream, you know, masses tend to live under. And that's basically it. That was the psychology of manipulation, six lessons from the master of propaganda.